Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. Hey everyone, this episode is a solo one. Um, I'm pretty excited. It's kind of going to be just a mismatch of everything. A little while back, I had posted on my Instagram stories at Candice Danielle Dunaway. If you don't follow me, you can follow me there. And I had posted, ask me anything. What do you want to know? So I've got some questions here that you want to know. So I cannot wait to dive in and talk about all the things. It's kind of scattered um, a little bit everywhere. So just a bunch of randomness all thrown together. So one of the questions um, that somebody had was like all about the mom stuff. Um, so I'm thinking, what can I tell you about mummyhood and mom stuff and, and all the things? So what came up for me? I mean, if you have listened back to my podcast, um, Dear Ellen, about my multiple miscarriages, um, then you'll kind of understand some of my mummying stuff. So before that, I was gifted two beautiful sons from my husband's previous marriage. So I was in the boys' lives when they were eight and 10, and we got them every second weekend. So, I mean, from my perspective, it's totally different from everybody's perspective. But when we had them, um, we were or I was, I guess, like as a mom, I thought pretty involved. We always were doing things, whether it was snowboarding or motocross or board games or whatever. We were always kind of doing things. So I felt like I was pretty present whenever we had the boys. But I mean, that's from my side and I'm connected with them. Um And then when the boys were 16 and 18, this is after I had four miscarriages, Um, my fifth pregnancy, our third little guy was born. So that kind of um, played a big role in the way that I showed up as a mother. And actually, just a few days ago, I had said to someone, for my son's Uh, like the first two years that he was alive, I was the best mom in the world. And I mean, (laughs) you can roll your eyes out there be like, seriously, really? No, I had four miscarriages before my son was born. Uh, It was a long process. Um, So I always showed up Um, in every moment. And I was so like, my son was super easy. I mean, he, he never slept, but he was super, super happy. And I was so grateful and so joyful um, to have him that I 
can honestly say that even till this day, he's six and a half. I have never, ever once thought, um, you know, if he was crawling, oh, I can't wait till he's walking. Oh, I can't wait till he talks. I can't wait till this. And I have never looked back and said, oh, I wish he was younger. I wish he was at this stage again. Like I truly have lived in the moment and loved every single thing along the way, not wishing forward, not wishing back. So that was kind of a blessing, uh, my journey getting there. Um, also, um, I guess I'm kind of like the main, I wouldn't, I don't know if you'd say friend, not friend, but I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the main playmate of the house because, uh, his brothers are older and they aren't living in the house. They've got their own homes. And, uh, my husband, he comes and goes, I mean, he's like playmate number two, but, uh, I primarily spend the most time with my son. So, I mean, if you're a neighbor, like my neighbors are like, seriously, she's out there again. I'm probably bouncing on the trampoline every day. Uh, Since he was tiny, I was the one playing the cars, jumping the monster trucks, um, jumping in the puddles, making the messes with him and alongside him because it was like him and I. So it, totally brought out a playful side of me which I've always had but um yeah so that has been super fun and still to this day I'm probably out on the trampoline like five days a week out there bouncing around and playing the game so I mean the trampoline was such a good investment another thing um that I'm all about is making the mess Like, oh gosh, I would totally love my house to be pristine and in tip-top shape and looking immaculate all the time. Uh, But it's just not the the case because, I mean, I'm constantly cleaning, but it feels like I'm getting nowhere because there's messes being made. And um, yeah, in the mess is all of the fun. So um, I just remember back to a time a girlfriend had come over with her little girl and I moved all of the furniture to the side of the walls, got a shower curtain, got like a mini little pool, filled it. The bubbles were going inside the house. Um, I'm totally all about making the mess and having the fun and it can always be cleaned later. So this is something that I've thought too. Um, I, I, I only had one little guy at home and I was home with him all the time. And my house at any given moment looked like a tornado had run through. So I always thought, oh my goodness, those people who have nannies Uh, lovely to help along, but the people who have nannies that want them to do the housework and the cooking also, um, like I swear, if you got a nanny to do um, the nannying of the baby and the cooking and the cleaning, like they would never pay a single, um, any attention to your child because, I mean, I only had one and I was trying to 
um, just keep him alive and play with him and get him entertained. And like all the rest went to the wayside. So if you're getting a nanny, kudos to you, but then get a cook on top of that because holy Toledo, like, please give me 15 minutes um, notice. Do not just knock on my door at any given time because it was just a disaster, but there was lots of fun to be had. Um, yeah. Another thing about mummyhood is like slow down um, on walks outside. I slow down. I let my little guy look at the ants, play in the mud, throw rocks. Um, and another thing that was important too is me being the one to ask um, for him to play. So instead of him always seeking out, mom, will you do this? Will you do this? Where I was the one, Hey, I want to play Uno with you. Let's play cars. Let's, um, do the monster truck. So, uh, I think that is important too, for a child to know, uh, that they, they are seeked out for play too. Um, and I think like, lastly about mummyhood, like when I am no longer here, I know, like, God forbid something happen anytime soon, but um, my little guy will know and be able to feel for the rest of his life how much he is loved. Okay, so that was a lot. <laughs> All about uh, the mummy stuff. Uh, another question that came in was, how did you meet your hubby? And tell us about him. So my hubby and I met, gosh, maybe 16 years ago. So I was a shop hand in at the company that he had worked for. So basically, um, it was an oil field company. So I would sweep the floors and I would clean up the oil mess and keep the shop in tip top shape, I guess. So he was working um, at the company, but he kind of went in and out. He'd like work, I think it was 15 days on, six days off. The schedule kind of changed over the years. But I think during the time that I was there, it was 15 days off, six days off. So the first time, I do remember the first time that we met. Um, and it was just him and I. He was unloading a vehicle in one of the bays. And I can't even really explain it. It's just, we had like an instant connection, like that energy, that electric energy that you can't even describe. Like I felt that with him. And I thought to myself, like he like may be my husband one day, like I could feel it, but we didn't initially get together. We worked together for a year and we never dated while I worked um, there. But then when I had uh, quit and moved on to other things besides sweeping floors, um, we ended up going out on a few dates and I guess the rest is history. It's been about 15 years. That is insane. Um, yeah, so we've been together a very long time. We've grown up together. Uh, we've had so many incredible adventures. Uh, one of the things that I love about my hubby 
is he loves the outdoors as much as I do. And he takes the road less traveled. Um, I'm all about like, I thought I did like getting out into the bush and on the trails. So then you get out there and then he takes like the side path or um, stomps down a new one. So he totally is up for anything. He's super spontaneous. He takes the road less travels, traveled and I come along with him. We have so much fun uh, on our adventures and I love doing things with him. Like I love that he's pretty much up to anything. Like I could schedule like the opera or a ballet or uh, the motocross or an outdoor concert. Like it doesn't really matter. He's kind of up for anything, which I absolutely love because I love um, sharing that experience with him. Okay. The next question is why is outside my jam? Oh my gosh. There is something about the outdoors. I absolutely love being outside. I feel so alive. I love walking. I love, love, love pedal biking. I love paddle boarding. I love dirt biking. I love camping. I love hiking. Um, I just feel so, um, so many things like so lit up, so calm, so at peace, so vibing with excitement, so energized. Uh, there's something about being outside and being in nature that just makes me feel so alive. So this kind of goes into one of the next questions. Um, somebody asked, where do you see yourself in five years? Okay, this would be my absolute dream. In five years, um, I see myself living on the lake, and I see myself um, leading paddle and coffee. So I would um, take people out onto the water on paddle boards and set intentions and have our coffee. And I would start that early in the morning when the sun rises, um, do the paddle and coffee. Um, also on the property, I would have kayaks and pedal bikes and I would have a studio for things like meditation and astrology and yoga and vision board classes. Um, and so that would be me leading some of them and then hiring other people out, um, whatever, their, whatever they um, specialize in their craft to come into this space. And this space would be all windows facing the water. And then on the property, I would have another place. And I mean, I've just called it gather for now because I'm just, this is what I'm manifesting. This is what I'm putting out into the world. But it would be another building where people would gather for coffees, um, healthy, delicious food. Uh, there might be some local stuff for sale, um, a place where people can connect and meet and 
kind of get outside and take advantage of the paddle, kayaking, biking, hiking, whatever it was. And then I would have um, live music sometimes, the fire, the campfire, I absolutely love the fire. Uh, maybe some Jenga, the big Jenga outside um, and stuff like that. So in five years, I would be living on the lake, leading the different classes um, and offering, um, I guess, the different classes around mindset and wellness and possibly having like an annual retreat there. So that is my absolute dream. So what day is it today? Five years from now, mark that on my calendar. Hopefully that is where I will be. Oh, and in that, um, that little space that faces the water with all of the windows, that's where I would also record the podcast. Okay. So the next question was, will you ever move back to BC? So this is a story for another day, like my actual moved to BC where I resigned from teaching, took the leap, moved to BC, three months later was back um, in Grand Prairie. That is a whole other story, but BC or somewhere around the mountains and the lakes just is calling my name and I feel so at home. So I don't know if it will be BC. Um, I'm open to um, anywhere really that has mountains and lakes and I would love a house right on the lake and someplace that's not super secluded so um, maybe that's like right near um, a city because I do like the city life too but I like to be around the, the lake and water so I don't know if it will be BC like I'm open to the states or somewhere else around Canada, but I definitely see myself um, changing locations at some point. Um, okay, and the next question is, what is the best decision you've ever made? Um, this is really, really hard, but one that comes to mind is, um, I don't know why I did this, but I used to explain myself and my choices to everybody. Um, they would ask me a question and I would tell them my answer. And then I would explain all of the reasons why, like to prove myself like, oh no, this is well thought out. Um, this is why I'm doing it. And I mean, when motherhood hits you, there are so many times where Maybe we feel like we have to explain everything to everybody because there's so many opinions. Um, but I'm going to tell you about this one specific time. So I had been teaching for a while and I was going to incorporate into my classroom alternative seating. So basically there were no desks. Um, so I put a kitchen table in. I put tables with cushions. I put camping chairs. Um, I put round tables. So this is what I was going to do. And I put the research behind it. It was well thought out. 
Um, I know as adults, if you think about yourself, like if you're going to read a book, uh, some of you might be the type of person that you're in your house and you have a certain spot, you need to get the blanket, you have to be tucked into the couch or in your bed or wherever it is, you have to have everything laid out and you get cozy and then you get right into reading the book. Or let's say there's a different task, you're going to do the taxes or pay the bills. So maybe the couch isn't the best place for you. Maybe you'd go to the kitchen table or counter on a flat surface, a big surface and lay everything out. Um, So I had done some research and knew that depending on like the type of activity, if they were reading, doing math, science, um, if it was collaboration, independent work, whatever. Um, I had really looked into it and considered all of the benefits of the alternative seating and I was incorporating it to my class. So initially when people came in my room, they were like, I mean, through the summer and right before school started, like, wow, this looks amazing. Oh my goodness. So cool. You'll have to let me know how it goes. And I would go into this spiel about like, yeah, I did this research and this is why I'm doing it and blah, 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 blah. And I would just like, go on about it to try to prove like, I, like, I'm not just throwing this together. I've done the research um, and it's going to be fabulous and all the things. And then my principal, he, um, I went to his office. It was before school started. I was talking to him about something and I just said, He's like, oh yeah, I saw your classroom. I went in there and I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing alternative seating this year. And that was it. And I did not explain myself at all. And it was the most freeing feeling ever. And then through the year, so how it worked is um, every transition that students could choose a new space. So it could be on the couch at the table, on the floor, um, in the camping chairs, whatever it was. And so our routine was pretty consistent. Um, They knew in the morning it was maybe reading and writing and then math after recess. And so they could kind of gauge like when they came in, where do I work best to read or write? Who do I work best beside? Like that onus was on them. They had to make the decisions about who they sat around um, and I wasn't the one placing them around the room. And I know this is such a big thing. Like some of the students who are the sweetest, kindest, most gentle students um, end up sitting beside some students with behavioral issues for like the whole year or moved around because um they, that's just the spot that the, that the teacher decides to put that student. So hopefully they will uh, be able to regulate maybe a little bit better, but so unfair to, you know, the other student who has to be in that space or, 
you know, you get put b- beside people who maybe you are, maybe you just don't align or you, they're a little bit abrasive or you don't really feel comfortable around them. So this gave the students an opportunity to decide what worked for them. And based on the day too, some days if they were feeling like, oh, I'm really chatty, I wanna hang with my friends, they might get with a big group of friends. Sometimes if they were feeling maybe they just were tired or wanted some quiet time, they might sit alone or maybe in a group of two. And I had two girls who would sit only with each other. Like they were best friends for three years and they were not comfortable around anybody else. So I had these two camping chairs and a little table at the back of the room. And then after a while, I moved it to the front of the room. So they'd be in closer proximity to me because that would be the only spot that they would sit uh, so that we could have conversations. And then after a while, I, there was no more seating for two. It was three or more. So eventually they got connected with other people, started forming relationships, started becoming more comfortable, and then even choosing the seats for themselves with larger groups of people or mingling with different people they normally wouldn't. Um, And sometimes students, they just need a buffer person. Like that's like when you go in the lunchroom um, on your break and you kind of scope it out, look around like, oh, you know, I feel really comfortable around that person. Um, oh, I really wanted that person's really interesting, but ooh, I don't feel comfortable seeing them with them by myself yet. So if there was somebody else there, I could join. So it just gave so much opportunity for the students to um, tune in and see what felt good for them. And honestly, in the whole entire time that I did the, you know, free free seating, you choose your seat, who do you sit by? There was one time for one day when one student did not get to pick where he sat because he wasn't making good choices. So he sat in the spot that I chose for him uh, because that was part of the deal. If you couldn't make good choices, then I guess you didn't get that privilege. But I mean, it took a day and then he realized, oh shit, maybe I should make some better seating choices so I can actually um, get my work done. So anyways, rambled on a lot about that, but I really thought about everything. And even if I hadn't thought about everything, even if I tried it on a whim and it didn't work, like I still shouldn't have to explain my choices and what I'm doing to anybody, unless it's like, part of a collaboration where you're, you're expected to, or having conversations about it. So, um, that was one of the best decisions that I've made is not explaining my choices to other people to make them feel comfortable or persuade them or to make myself feel better or to try to prove myself. Um, because, when you think about it, like other people don't know, like the 95% of the things that I'm thinking or have thought up or my experiences that are inside. I mean, they see like the 5% on the outside, but they don't really understand fully why 
and you shouldn't really have to explain yourself. So if you are explaining everything you do to other people to make them happy, to prove yourself, to, um, yeah, make yourself look better or whatever it is. I really hope that this will inspire you to just do your thing and stop explaining yourself. And guess what? I think it was like probably three or four months in my principal walked in my room one day after school and he goes, you know what, Candace, he goes, I thought this seating thing that you had going on was just nuts and it wasn't going to work out. He goes, I, I just didn't have a belief in it. I, I didn't. When you, when I walked in the summer and I looked in your room, I thought, oh my gosh, what is she doing? And then he goes, you know what? Every time I walked in, the first time I walked in, I was like, oh, wow. Look at how things are running in here. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's just that one time. And then he goes, I came to your room time and time again. And every time I came in, I was really surprised that it was going so smoothly. And he goes, yeah, I just have to let you know that I was wrong. And I was like, oh my goodness, that was so incredible to hear that from him. And it just kind of affirmed for me, like if I would have explained why I was doing things, I could have been talked out of it maybe or told it wasn't a good idea. Um, or if somebody didn't agree with it, maybe I would have changed my mind. But I just went in there and said, this is what I'm doing. And that's it. So best, one of the best decisions ever. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.